0: Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out podcast. I'm Charlie, joined as always by Reed. Oregon 45, Stanford 27. Ducks covered by the thinnest of margins or push, I guess, depending on which, uh, which sports book you're looking at. Um, but we don't care about that as much as we do the W in the win column. Isn't that right?
1: That is absolutely right, especially against Stanford.
0: Yes. Um, we talked about it all week. This. <laughs> This game pretty much went how it was supposed to go on paper. Um, I mean, it literally hit the exact spread. So there's that. Um, but as you know, as we all know, uh, games against Stanford with games against Stanford, that stuff doesn't always matter. Um, but Oregon leaves no doubt. Ninety-seven percent post-game win percentage based on underlying metrics. Um, Oregon controlled this one from start to finish. It was thirty-one to three at halftime. We don't need to dive as deep as we sometimes do, or certainly that we did last week into drive-by-drive stuff, but um, in general, what were your main takeaways from this game?
1: That Stanford wasn't very good, and despite Oregon kind of shooting themselves in the foot for a quarter, um, I think that right when things you know could have started to get dicey, especially, I think, at 10-3, there was a really important drive there, and I'll be honest, I got a little bit of flashbacks to that feeling that uh, was too familiar of those really high powered early 2010 Oregon offenses just stalling out you know against a team that uh, was a very different caliber back then but wearing the same uniform forms as this Stanford team was um, representing the same school and all that and so that was scary for a second there um facing a you know a third down on that drive and then when oregon punched that in followed quickly by uh the fumble recovery on the first play of the next drive an immediate touchdown after that mm-hmm. uh at 24-3 i was pretty much in route um and as we've touched on before that espn win percentage um we you know, it hit 99.6 at the second-half <laughs> kickoff. I mean, it was, it was over at halftime, and that was certainly a welcome feeling after last week and after all the past contests with Stanford.
0: Yeah, man. Overall, I mean, there were some good plays in this game. You know, there were some really exciting ones, especially from a couple of the wide receivers. Running backs played really well. Bo Nix had that long, long, long touchdown run. Um, but overall... Honestly, I thought this game was kind of boring, and maybe it was just because I had been watching college football literally all day on Saturday, <laughs> and there were some pretty exciting games, but um, I don't know. Something, maybe it was just the timing, like 8 o'clock kick, everybody, including the announcers, are kind of like over it, especially once the fourth quarter hits, but um, I don't know. It just seemed like the Ducks could never like really shut the coffin, um, so to speak even though the game was like technically out of reach, like you're saying it hit 96% by the, or 99.6% by like the second half. It still felt like there was never, um, I don't know. There was, there was some unfinished business on a lot of these drives for Oregon. Uh, the first drive, the first offensive drive for the Ducks was kind of a metaphor for that. I feel like um, you had four different penalties, uh, on, three on the Ducks on that final series alone, um, and it was—or re- I guess the the final two series of that drive—they really stalled it out. Ducks have to kick a field goal. That's kind of what the whole game felt like. Uh, again, Oregon covers in this game; like they blow Stanford out. It was not competitive, um, but almost similar. I'm I'm gonna compare this to last year's team, um, but I will say in a much different way. Oregon felt like they didn't really like beat the snot out of a team they could have hung like 60 on for example you know what i mean totally
1: yeah totally i mean it definitely was a lot of points left on the board especially in that first quarter um it should have been 21 nothing it felt like and oregon was absolutely dominating them offensively uh, or defensively when stanford was on offense and um yeah, it, it seemed like for a split second Stanford was going to get their momentum back on that field goal drive, but it, it ended up not mattering.
0: Yeah, and I would also like to say, um, actually, go back to something you mentioned uh, in the your kind of first comment was this Stanford team is really bad. Um, yeah. You meant like a lot of the mistakes Oregon made in this game. I feel like even a mid Stanford team would have capitalized on them in the past. But, I mean, they were they were making just as many mistakes, not necessarily in the penalty side, but just in general. You think of that botched, like, reverse fumble that they had, um, that they recovered. There was the fumble on, like, the screen pass that Noah Sewell takes almost to the house. Um, and just overall, they, they were not playing well. I mean, this Stanford team truly is bad, especially once Caillou Blue Kelly went out. I mean, we're talking about their first and second best players at that rate. I mean, maybe you want to throw McKee in there as a top three being out. Um, there's There was really no recipe for success for Stanford in this game. Um, so, I mean, maybe we can just pull a few things out, let's say, by quarter um, that we noticed throughout this one.
1: Yeah, that sounds good.
0: Um, so we mentioned... You know, Oregon starts decently on this in this game. Their their penalty stalls the first score. Even before that, though, the defense forces a three and out on the first possession. It again, that's kind of how it went for Stanford all night. They really couldn't get anything going. Tanner Kee, we know he's a decent quarterback, but with the <laughs> with the lack of options he has at offensive line, especially I think one of their linemen went down in that first series as well, yeah. if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, right. And the yeah, slow mesh really favorite. doesn't do them any favors in terms of no, a team that can't block that well and asking them to to stick with it for an extra three seconds or whatever. Um, yeah, you know, Oregon definitely did their job defensively early on. Um, you talked about that first drive where Oregon has to settle for a field goal again. That's you know the red zone scoring issues have popped up already. This was a little bit of a unique circumstance because of the penalty. Uh, mm-hmm. Not as much just, you know, an, an error in terms of play calling necessarily. But still, I mean, these are just points left on the board that you can't have against good teams. Like, And it was true on the second drive as well. It, you get to a third and three at the Stanford 31 and there's a holding call um, yeah. uh, on a play that w- was going to result in a first down. And, you know, you'd think based on how Oregon was moving the ball on a play-per-play basis... They should just be rolling through and you know scoring touchdown after touchdown after touchdown like they were against BYU, and that didn't really happen. Um, But of course, the last play of the quarter kind of saved face a bit. Um, You know, that was the screen pass right snapped at the very last second of the quarter that maybe Stanford didn't think you know the play was going to get off and Chase Cota takes it for. Forty-nine yards for a touchdown, his first score in Austin, which is, of course, a cool moment, mm-hmm. given his family history there, and that turns it. You know, if that if it wasn't for that play, it would have been a three nothing first quarter for Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, and that would have been really you know a lot of points left on the board.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, even before that, the Ducks had a drive stall out. I like the quick kick. Uh, I'm a big fan of that strategy. Yeah, I like um, that too. We also have to shout out Cam Lewis for even getting it to 3-0. He hasn't missed anything he's kicked so far this season. He's been doing really well. Um, another group we need to shout out, and we'll talk about the. We can use this to talk about the offense more in general. The running backs, man. No Cardwell again in this one. I didn't see. I'm assuming he was injured again, um, and that's why he didn't get any touches. But I would assume um,
1: so. I, I think he was doing warm ups, but I mean, given he was injured recently, I think it was probably a game they felt they could hold them out for i mean obviously interesting
0: yeah yeah um <laughs> i i agree with that assessment bucky irving 9.7 yards of play uh, Noah whittington six yards of play um just really good numbers again from both of them we saw jordan james with a couple really good carries um obviously he's kind of the touchdown merchant at this point like he's the goal line back um sean dollars also gets a touchdown and five carries um a couple receptions as well uh and ironically the person who had the most success rushing was the quarterback bo Nix. um he's the first Oregon rusher to he's the first Oregon player to run for over 100 yards this season i believe irving hit like 99 in one game so you know it's, mm-hmm. it's and not hit like
1: 97 a, here too yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's not a perfectly demonstrative demonstrative stat. Um, but either way, I mean, that 80-yard run was certainly something, and he really unlocked this portion of his game, I think, uh, this season, because I don't remember him doing this very much at Auburn. Other people don't remember him doing it as much either. Um, and it's good, because he didn't really have a very good day throwing the ball. I don't know if you noticed that as well, but... I I counted a couple – you saw I was keeping track of um, how Oregon, you know, had unsuccessful plays in the first half. About half of Oregon's unsuccessful plays came from self-inflicted stuff. Uh, There were nine offensive penalties, two drops, uh, and then about, like, seven unsuccessful throws, one unsuccessful run, and a couple unsuccessful screens, Um, you know. Unsuccessful throws can mean like a good defensive play uh, or just decent coverage, which there was some of in that first half. But overall, like, how would you assess Bo's performance?
1: There were a few of those questionable passes for sure. One, especially, I think, a deep shot um, when Oregon was backed up in its own territory that mm-hmm. Caillou Blue Kelly got his hands on, and that should have been a pick. I think there was another shot or two into double coverage that were pretty questionable as well. Uh, They were deep at least, um, you know, kind of could have turned into arm punts, but still pretty unnecessary shots, uh, and a lot can go wrong on returns and everything. So just, (laughs) and there just wasn't Mm -hmm. much upside to them being completed. So bad decisions, um, you know, a, a few of them, but... Otherwise, it was okay. It wasn't his best performance, I think, but he was, you know, using his legs when needed, obviously broke off the big 80-yard run, and then completed some other balls, and you know, enough to have this offense go while well, he was in there, and, you know, I mean, they totaled 31 in the first half, which yeah. is a... A fine total, right? I mean, like... (laughs) I'm not complaining about that. (laughs) You know, compared to what we were dealing with last year, where games like this would get into the third quarter and Oregon would have 13 points or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, the 31, yeah, 7 of it comes from defensive. But even 24 points, if you're doing that, you know, and you're able to do that in each half, Stanford's not putting up 48 on you in a game under any circumstance. So... It's good enough in that regard.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that about last year's team. I saw that tweet as well. It was I can't remember who said it, but um, yeah, last <laughs> year's team would be up like 13-3 to 3 at this point instead of 31. Um, it's something to that effect. Yeah, again, Knicks didn't need to have a great game through the air. Um, Stanford's best player is out there. Their secondary is decent. Like, if we're getting... <laughs> What's the exact number? Um, uh, Sorry. If we're getting 8.09 EPA on the ground per game, like, we don't need to throw the ball. Um, And we saw this against BYU as well, right? Uh, If you're getting that much, if you're having that much success on the ground, no need to put Bo in a situation where he's making bad decisions. Um, And so in that game planning sense, I liked what I saw. Obviously, a couple, if a couple of the deep balls are more accurate or if he just makes different decisions, then um, we could be talking about like another historic, great offensive performance. But regardless, I mean, you saw the stat. Last three games, 50 points per game now. Um, or sorry, last four since the Georgia game. We're averaging 50 points a game. That's going to get it done in the Pac-12. Um, we had a mutual friend, Carlos, arguing with us about how Oregon isn't a contender, and I... I really don't understand how you can come to that conclusion based on watching this team in the past few weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I was very satisfied overall with the off- offensive performance. Um, I think Chase Cota is going to be my offensive MVP. We saw Troy Franklin make a couple insane catches, which is nice to see. <laughs> um, do you have a, a different nominee for offensive?
1: I think I'd go with Troy. Um, I'm you know the running backs both did their job um I mean and obviously dollars and and Jordan James had good performances too uh you know Bo just his inconsistency in the passing game and the fact that the ball was moved so much on the ground I think even though I'd like to give it to him for his runs I I can't really uh because Mm -hmm. he struggled in the passing game so I think I gotta go with Troy Franklin um yeah, another great game from him. I mean, I've been beating that drum all season long, really.
0: Yeah, and I think the fact that Bo didn't have such a great game kind of in a weird way it sort of is exemplified the different weapons Oregon has. Um, obviously, Coda scores from that screen pass. You know, Franklin only has four catches, but he still had 52 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Coda, two catches and 56 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Um, but the ball got spread around, right? Hudson got some. Hudson got four different targets. Actually, I want to say five. Maybe one of them was a penalty. It didn't, didn't count on the stat sheet. Uh, seven had a catch before his uh, unfortunate departure, which we can talk about. Uh, McCormick, Whittington, Dollars, Ferguson. All these guys are getting touches. Um, and that was really good to see, just from a, a team-wide standpoint. Um, yeah, this, other... seems, uh, this
1: contrasts just in that regard uh, definitely contrast the offenses of, of last year, especially. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Wells in general, where it felt like, okay, we're going to grind. You know, in 2019, we won games, so people were happy, but it was kind of like nobody eats, <laughs> you know, and now yeah. everybody <laughs> eats. Uh, it seems like there's a role carved out for so many different guys. I mean, you can go really 10 deep probably uh, in terms of skill position talent, talent with guys who have a meaningful impact on most of these games Mm -hmm. whether it's Jordan James just getting you know three carries or Sean Dollars in his usage or you know a guy like Chris Hudson or seven who do little things out of the slots and the tight ends and everything but there's a bunch of guys who are able to have a role impact like, get to flash and, you know, get their touchdown for the season or a couple touchdowns, get some catches, put something on tape. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a cool facet. I think that helps the locker room, of course. And I think this offense is really balanced. And the other part of the offense, obviously, is the offensive line, which has been excellent so far. Gave up their first sack in this game, obviously. But, and it was barely a sack, too. <laughs> right. I mean, that's never going to last forever. Uh, it's still... That that unit has been so good, especially for, you know, Pac-12 play. They are... Compared to the teams they're facing, you know, I think, obviously, they protect the quarterback better than anyone. And I... I basically expect that to continue you know whether they're a better offensive line purely than like georgia is or or something you can debate i guess but with the guys that oregon has left on the schedule i think that they match up and are going to be able to contain those defenses you know as well as any team is going to be able to contain the defenses they play
0: i agree um certainly should be enough to roll over the next four opponents still um, we'll, we'll get to those eventually, but the one thing, the one gripe I do have with the O-line still is penalties, man. I mean, there were so, right. I, I don't have the exact numbers, but I can think of at least like five different penalties that were on the O-line. Um, and it's different guys too. It's not just like one guy messing stuff up, whether it's Forsyth with the snap infractions, anyone being illegally downfield or Sala false starting Sala. or whatever. It just seems like I'm, 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 <laughs> It seems like we're going to have to expect to eat like five of those penalties per game at this point, which is really unfortunate um, for a unit that's so experienced. Like usually that's the reason people throw out as to why things like that don't happen. Um, So it's kind of a it seems like an anomaly.
1: Yeah, this was the game that featured that the most. I would be interested to look at Oregon's penalty yardage at the season, but it hasn't seemed like a huge issue. Uh, I think you're right that, you know, that offensive line especially maybe, you know, whether that number is five or closer to like three penalties a game that they've been getting, I'm not sure. But whatever it is, it's been, you know, not ideal, but maybe a little more bearable. But in this game, The total team was 135 yards gave up in penalties. I mean, that's really going to be tough to overcome in a competitive game. And I know some people, you know, want to say, oh, well, to, you know, give up 135 in penalties and still cover is impressive. And I hear that, I guess. But, I mean, this Stanford (laughs) team's not good, you know. And honestly, I when you start turning things like 135 yards and penalties into a positive it's tough to uh tough to feel like that's an objective statement
0: (laughs) yeah uh 13 penalties is oregon's most since they played arizona in 2017 um ironically that was a game with a similar scoreline for oregon still winning um but either way, that's never something you need to see. That was a Willie Taggart team, by the way, <laughs> giving up that many penalties. So, um, yeah, man, overall, kind of a sloppy game by both teams. I think I learned more about Stanford being bad than Oregon being good in this game. I mean, they just couldn't get anything going until, like, the second half uh, against some backups. So, um, Do you I'm have trying a
1: defensive of, MVP?
0: Yeah, defensive MVP – I want to say doorless because he had that big sack in the beginning. Maybe Sewell. I think this was kind of a. I actually, yeah, I'm going to go with Noah Sewell. I haven't looked at any tackle numbers or anything like that, but um, he was laying some big hits and he was making some tackles that we expected him to make. Like these are the kind of big plays that made us say now seemingly outlandish things like Sewell and Flo might be the best linebacker duo in the country. Um, yeah. Worth noting, we,
1: Flo was out. This, yeah. in this game. We'll see how that progresses. There were some rumblings that, you know, he was hurt last game as well. Um, yeah, for my defensive MVP, Doorless, uh, you half-picked, and and I would pick that as well. Bennett Williams is the other one I'll highlight, too, for mm. Force fumble was big, and he's been a bright spot in the secondary. Christian Gonzalez, too, actually. Yes, I, yes. I tweeted out early on that having Christian Gonzalez in this matchup... Makes me feel a lot better uh, yes. than than the old secondaries that Oregon would trot in to play against Stanford's big wide receivers. And I think he was a huge part of containing them uh, throughout the day. So, yeah,
0: His like defense
1: still is piecing things together, I think is fair to say. Um, I, I don't know exactly how i feel about this unit when i was on i I did a quick guest hit randomly on those truck stops this morning uh which will be out monday morning so probably by whenever anyone's hearing this um i did the middle segment with them and we talked a little bit about oregon uh and yeah one thing we talked about was is this defense better than usc's i think it clearly is but some of the I guess metrics don't bear that out. Um, my theory would be that's because of some of the stuff Oregon's given up late in games to BYU and Stanford, and obviously the onslaught that Georgia put on them, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was kind of a first game, and Georgia, at least back then, looking really good. We could talk about the Masurans Yeah, we're going to have to talk about bit. Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of how. Oregon handled the Stanford offense in the first half, you know, when the game was in balance at all versus how USC handled the offense. It was kind of night and day in my estimation. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, Oregon is, you know, struggling to get its footing on the defensive side. And I think we're hoping to keep buying some time. I mean, the secondary, especially outside of Christian Gonzalez and Bennett Williams, were learning things about it's up and down a little bit and that quick passing game you know especially a quarterback like Cam Ward Oregon was susceptible to and Jaden Delora is maybe in a similar vein in some, th- in some ways um, who they'll play next week. The linebackers you know that's what everyone talked about going into the year was Sewell and Flo could be amongst the best linebacker duos in the country and they both been really banged up, but that hasn't come to fruition at all yet. Uh, mm-hmm. they've been, Oregon's defense has been good containing the run, uh, but not so great creating pressure, you know, of, of opposing quarterbacks. So I don't know. I think we're, we're hoping that maybe out of the bye week this unit looks a little different.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would certainly hope so. Um, obviously Arizona is going to be fired up for this next game and we'll touch on that on Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever we were able to record. But um, I am still definitely concerned about the defense uh, going through Pac-12 play. I just feel like they're not mistake prone even, but it seems like they need a big play to really do stuff. You know what I mean? Against a, a decent offense. I'm not counting Stanford as a decent offense. I mean, no. They, we talk, I talked about Oregon's self-inflicted type stuff. Stanford just looked terrible. I mean, whether it was the the fumble or just missed throws or just not <laughs> blocking anybody, um, they were really, really struggling in this game. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if I would take us over USC's defense. I don't really care to have that debate. Um, but I, I think this defense still has to show us something. Um some some bigger plays. We got a few of them in this game. Like there were some sacks, there was that fumble. Uh, but I'm still I'm still waiting on like consistent performances. Um how many points did Stanford have before the backups were in? I think they scored did they score two touchdowns on the backups or just one? Or maybe it was a touchdown and a field goal. I think that's what it was. So we'll call it thirteen. Um I, I think yeah. that's fair yeah um
1: they were at yeah i think 17 i guess but it depends what you call i mean i don't know what the personnel looked like exactly on the getting into that second half because the game i mean the whole second half was garbage time kind of in my estimation yeah,
0: yeah that's a good way to put it i will say uh they're running back the lake oswego kid casey Philkins, he was really good i thought Um, He's a solid runner. They just have no offensive line. And like you said, the the scheme that they're running just doesn't fit their personnel um, like at all. So strange. Yeah, I'm sure they'll pluck a couple. Well, actually, I'm not sure they'll pluck a couple conference wins. I can't jump the gun on saying that. They don't play Colorado. um, And they, yeah, wow. I'm looking at the rest of their schedule. ASU is looking at their their best shot for a win for the rest of the yeah. season. They got two out of conference games left at Notre Dame and hosting BYU. I got to think both of those will be losses. Yeah, man, I'm not really yeah. seeing a path to a lot of success for Stanford for the yeah, rest of the, the season. Even
1: the Cal game, I think is what was once maybe a toss up earlier in the season feels pretty decidedly in Cal's advantage. I mean, I think there's a prayer Uh, In that game, you know, I think that there's a 25% chance or something and it's a weird rivalry matchup and I'm sure Stanford will, you know, circle the wagons for that. But outside of that in the Arizona State game, I don't really see it.
0: It's tough missing both Colorado and Arizona from from the south part of your schedule. Yeah, Uh, the projected two worst teams in the conference to start the season. But um all right, man, let's wrap up a couple topics from this game so we can talk about kind of where Oregon situates themselves within the conference right now. Um, these penalties, I know we talked about, but I, I could not help but feel that some of these penalties were a little bit biased, the 7-McGee ejection especially. I mean, I'm assuming you've seen the video. I'm assuming a lot of our listeners have too, um, of what actually happened down there. Seven tweeted out an apology during the game, which I thought was kind of funny, um, that he was very sorry for hitting the guy or whatever. But I honestly, it's it's pretty weak stuff to me. Um, I think the Stanford player like stealing Bo Nix's helmet and trying to like throw it downfield is a little more egregious than like mutual pushing. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you have any comment on that at all, but that part just really I, pissed me off. You
1: tweeted out that it felt like this team needed a fight, and I agree. Based on how that first half went, uh, it was honestly yeah. good to see some fire get lit under these guys, and to punch that score in and kind of close the door on any Stanford hopes to end the half was nice. Definitely, um, yeah. I don't have much else. I think two other interesting things from this game. First, I don't know how you want how you feel about Ty Thompson. <laughs> and some of the second half stuff, again, it seems like he's an unlucky guy with the tipped ball interceptions yeah. uh, and just kind of general dysfunction and, and weird positions that he gets put in. But at the same time, you know, results do matter. And any type of yeah. results-oriented analysis is not looking favorably on the possessions he's led in this uh, Yeah, I mean, season. any stat
0: line... Any quarterback stat line that reads one for five, three yards, one interception, it's not very good, uh, no matter how you slice it. I will say uh, you, that you mentioned <laughs> the, the interception luck. This guy just has terrible interception luck, honestly. Um, I mean, looking at his overall stat lines, he's got to look like one of the worst quarterbacks like of all time. But the dude really, I mean, I, I think the interception last year wasn't warranted. I can't remember. And then we've had two now this year that have just been tipped. Um, So that's kind of bad luck. But when he did get a chance to throw, I agree. The offense just looks disconnected. I will say I would trust Ty. Like, okay, I don't know if I would fully trust Ty to go in with the ones. But um, I have pretty much full confidence that he would look better with the ones. Um, Even against backups, just being with that first team offense gives you so much more security as a quarterback. Like, you know, having all those weapons around you, having your starting offensive line out there, it would make a world of difference. So, if something happens to yeah. Bo, I'm, you know, Ty is still the guy who's going to step up, no doubt. I still um, think we'd compete in most
1: staff, of these but... game and most of these games with Ty, but yeah, I don't think we win the Washington State game based on how it played out. Oh, not at uh, all. Well, I mean, no, with how close it was and. I think a lot of these games versus the harder games left on the schedule, you know, would look like pretty pure toss-ups with with Ty or, uh, you know, seven-point spreads against Oregon.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I can't say I'm super confident, but, I mean, a lot of people love to throw out narratives and stuff about this. I'm not really concerned with that, like... In all, we've seen very little from Ty still. Um, and yeah, sure, he hasn't looked great in those small sample sizes. And I'm not saying, I'm not defending him or anything. Like, he does need to play better. Uh, but, I mean, who cares if your backup quarterback doesn't play that well? Um, you know, that that's not really something I'm interested in drawing a lot of conclusions from. So, yeah. Anything else from this game?
1: Last thing I wanted to briefly mention. How do you feel about shout? No players dancing during shout.
0: <laughs> I mean, I I'm kind of an opponent of that. Honestly, let the kids have fun. Come on, this is sports. Like, the entire stadium is shouting, and the stu- and the uh, the <laughs> the players just have to stand there on the sidelines. Like, it's kind of awkward. I I get it if you're not like winning or if it's a close game, maybe you don't want to shout. You talked you've talked about the nervous shout before. It can be pretty <laughs> awkward. I I would rather let them dance, but I mean, I get why they're they're not allowed to.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. I understand first year coming in here and just being like, "Come on, we got to take this seriously." But <laughs> it was a cool thing when when the twenty nineteen team was rolling and Troy Die was doing shout and everything. That was awesome, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it evolves. I don't
0: know. Um, Alright, so with this win, Oregon moves to 2-0 in conference play, obviously. I just put out my, like, updated kind of Pac-12 tiers, or power rankings, I guess, uh, is how you would look at them. I think the Timbers, or, sorry, the, I just went to a Timbers game and been covering the Timbers all day. <laughs> I think the Ducks uh, have to be third still, or, I mean, maybe you could argue second, in terms of, like, power, any sort of power rating in the Pac-12 behind USC and or Utah both those teams got pretty convincing wins I think Utah more so than USC I would even be fine calling Utah the best team in the Pac-12 right now if you want to do that Um, really though I think they exposed Oregon State's like flaws more than anything but I'm still putting Oregon in that top tier of contenders right now alongside the other two schools and then I have UCLA and then the Washington schools kind of in that next tier I think we've whittled it down to six in terms of like who actually has a shot to, to win the Pac-12. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I think the Beavs are, from a quality standpoint, I would put the Beavs in the conversation with Washington and uh, Washington State right now. And maybe even UCLA. Um, but from a conference title odds after the two losses Oregon state suffered and the potential injury to Nolan, I think they're they're out of the conference title race.
0: Yeah. And that's unfortunate. I mean, we've talked about how much more fun it is to have a good Oregon state, um, alongside, but anyways, um, yeah, I, I think we agree Oregon is in that top tier still. Right. I mean, we didn't really see anything from this game to tell us that Oregon is a bad team whatsoever. Um, Again, maybe an undisciplined one in terms of penalties, but I, I'm, I'm not buying any narrative that says the ducks aren't like in contention to win this conference. Um, I mean, when Bo is on, like he was against Wazoo, he is arguably the best quarterback in this league. Um, I mean, you know, Caleb Williams is obviously a good quarterback and so is cam rising but bo's got the arm talent um and most of the time he has the right reads and decision making so anyways again when oregon has a 99th percentile rush success rate you don't really need to worry about <laughs> how how you're throwing the ball so um the rest of this conference we can fly around some other results um Cal loses on the road to Wazoo in a game I was excited about, and then I started watching it and was reminded how bad Cal can actually be. Um, I left them out of that kind of contender thing uh, on my second go-around because of how, I mean, it looked like they were just back to their regular selves against Wazoo. It seems yeah. like that that offensive flurry against Arizona was not really, you know, that's not sustainable is what it's looking like.
1: Yep, I think Arizona's defense is bad. Uh, they look bad <laughs> against Colorado, given yes. how bad Colorado's offense is. And, and I think you probably saw that Colorado ended up firing Carl Carl Durrell.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, do you think it's a little premature at all? I mean, I know his buyout no. significantly shrinks towards the end of the season. Um, I mean, for buyout, if you want
1: to talk about like the timing in terms of a buyout, I don't know how much money Colorado's working with for a new head coach. So if that's important, like, I understand waiting. But in terms of knowing that uh, there's nothing left to see in, you know, about Carl Durrell's tenure, I think that you should have been pretty certain you were firing him, whether you wanted to do it now or at the end of the year.
0: That's fair. Um he still managed to screw up our picks, though, of course, covering against Arizona. I believe they covered in that game. Uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me, actually. but I'm
1: not sure they did. I think oh. Arizona was uh, was favored by 18. That's
0: what it looks like. It closed out, at least. Oh, okay. So, well, they won by 23. All right, perfect. So, yeah, you're <laughs> right. They did cover. Thank God. For some reason, I thought differently. Um. Anyways, yeah, Cal looked bad. Wazoo looked decent. Um, Utah beat the crap out of Oregon State. That was a tough game to watch. But they genuinely did look like the much better team in that game. Uh, Clark Phillips getting three picks.
1: Yeah. Benefit from some turnovers, definitely. Which I think, to me, that my takeaway from this game is, okay, Oregon State's offense really isn't that good. Their passing attack, like, just isn't good at all. Uh and their rushing attack, I think a lot of people went into this year assuming that hey, you know, Oregon State always has a good running game. We don't even need to talk about the guys that they lost. And it looks like those guys actually do matter. I I think long term Oregon State's going to be able to get back to their identity on offense, but this year they look like more of a defensive team, honestly. Which is interesting uh, given what they did to USC. And they competed at times in this Utah game, but I think those turnovers were just backbreakers. Um, And yeah, I came away impressed with Utah's ability to take advantage of Oregon State's mistakes, uh, and especially with, you know, Clark Phillips looking like the best defensive player in the conference. But. I, di- I wasn't completely convinced that Utah is, you know, far and away the class of the conference as much as I might have thought if you had just told me that the score is 42-16 to 16 without me watching the game.
0: Yeah, that, that's fair, I guess. Uh, speaking of USC, who you mentioned, um, not a super convincing win against Arizona State in a lot of ways, similar to the Oregon game, it was like, USC just kind of let them hang around for a while. Uh, extremely similar scoreline. USC doesn't end up covering the 25 and a half, um, which you got right. You picked Arizona State. Did you? Were you able to have a second screen for that game? Did you watch any of it? Like,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching. Um, USC's defense isn't very good, right? I mean, nah. we kind of knew that. but uh, Yeah, I mean, we're talking about an Arizona
0: State team who had six rushing yards the week before yeah six yeah
1: their offense is pretty good um <laughs> yes. but Arizona state's defense isn't very good either so I don't know this USC Washington State game is definitely gonna be interesting coming up. I'm kind of having some um I'm a little conflicted on which game I want to cover in my article this week oh yeah yeah because well because obviously so maybe you can help me on this a little bit. So mm-hmm. next week, uh, y- you know, there are these. I'm I'm pretty much between <laughs> Utah, UCLA, Oregon, Arizona, and Washington, USC. Mm-hmm. But part of the you know elephant in the room is that. Is it Wazoo weeks, USC? Yeah, Wazoo USC. Yeah. Okay. Um, in the week after next, it's USC Utah. So I'm probably going to do mm-hmm. that. Um. So in a way, I'm tempted to almost go with this Oregon Arizona game. It's only an 11.5-point spread right now, so I might do that. But yeah, know, and Utah, there's no ucla other, like, on face is probably the best, but I talked about UCLA
0: last week. And there's not a lot of... Uh, and there's not a super sickos matchup that you can default to either. I do like that you want to spread it around, though, kind of uh, game day style, or like uh, TV yeah. slot style, you know? you got to save the good games um, exactly to write about those. <sighs> I don't know. I think I would... T- I think I would still do the best matchup available, but actually, I'll also say that you won't have, well, I think Oregon-UCLA is going to stump for a pretty important game in in the week after that one in week eight, so maybe, right. you, so I don't know. Um, I mean, writing about the same team twice in a row, yeah, that, I get how that's annoying, <laughs> That's tough, man. That's a really tough yeah. decision. Shoot, you should like flip <laughs> well, a coin two... between those top two.
1: The issue is there just aren't that many games to choose from. If you're doing in the same conference, you know there's only six games every week. So yeah. if you have two or three clunkers, you're uh, you're bound to do some repeating. But I'll figure it out. Um, what other? No, there weren't other any other. Oh, Washington UCLA. Yeah, of course. I was, you was gonna say yeah. That, yeah. One. yeah <laughs> that was probably the biggest result from the weekend. What what was your read on that game?
0: That was a lovely game to watch. Um, I I really enjoyed this game because it confirmed a lot of the biases I had against UW. Um, I mean, our preview heading in was that neither of these teams have really played anybody. The one decent team UCLA played was South Al, and they probably should have lost that game. Um, Michael Penix, I was told, was, like, the best quarterback in the Pac-12. I don't know when, like – I guess we decided to crown him that against Michigan State, who had like the worst pass defense in the entire country last season. Um, So, I mean, we as Pac 12 fans, you know, we got to do a better job vetting these kind of statements. Like, I understand he was leading it in this stat and that stat and whatever, but I mean, this was a three point spread for a reason. And what I really got out of this game more than anything is that DTR is. Just so much fun to watch. Whether he's doing something terrible for his team or really, really good for his team, like he's as close as it gets to like must-watch football outside the, the contenders at this point. Um so I was happy for UCLA, man. I mean, they looked really good. Jake Bobo looks like a legit threat. I think that's the name right, Jake. Um obviously Zach Charbonnet is really good. Yeah, I was super impressed with UCLA. UW very clearly has some defensive problems they gotta patch up, but their offense didn't look great either. I mean, they padded the. They got 16 fourth quarter points in what was essentially garbage time already. Like I believe UCLA had like uh, I can't remember what the halftime score was, but it wasn't necessarily close. Or let's see, it was uh, 26 to 10 at halftime, and it yeah. didn't even really feel that close either. It, um, the
1: UCLA had a chance to go off 29-10 and, and went for it on a fourth down that I thought right. was kind of questionable to end the half. To, to put it to three scores, I thought that was... I mean, Chip loves to roll the dice, but I thought that was a stretch too far,
0: maybe. Dude, Penix, the stat padding here is absolutely insane. Do you know what his final line was? I don't know if you're looking at it. 345 uh, no. yards and four touchdowns. Jesus. That that sounds like a good game, but anyone who watched it will tell you that he did not play well. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a couple boneheaded interceptions, and yeah. they're... Yeah, I was not impressed with you UW.
1: More than anything, they just can't run the ball. Uh, And I don't know if it ended up, uh, if UCLA, who they ended up starting in this game. But going into the week, they had a lot of injuries on their defensive tackles. And people were talking about them starting or playing significant time uh, for a walk-on at defensive tackle. I mean, it should have been Mm -hmm. an opportunity for... Washington to just pound the ball a little bit you know at least have that balance to their offense and they weren't able to get anything on the ground um Mm -hmm. I I still think that you know I'm not overreacting too far the other way but I just would I feel honestly I, I mean I feel a little vindicated in some of the things I wrote in my preview of the game because just the fact that we don't know as much as we think about these two teams and that you know washington is still a first-year staff going on the road against a ucla team that they haven't even you know regardless of how good michigan state is it was a game that UW had to prepare for Mm -hmm. and get up for and had circled you know they were number 11 when they came in everyone cared about that game it took a lot of attention all the UCLA players, you know, and staff and everything, yeah, you go out and try each week, but they've been, you know, sleepwalking and just trying to simulate ahead pretty much to this game. Uh, there hasn't been another game where they've had a chance to prove themselves or, or you know, had any type of attention or doubt around them uh, where they could, you know, really show the type of team that they are. And I think that DTR fed on that clearly. Uh, you know, Chip called a good game, which he's liable to do in big matchups, and uh, I just think that it was a situation where you know UW had some hiccups early. Penix forced through a few throws, and then they realized, oh, our defense hasn't played anyone. UCLA, you know, can move the ball with a veteran quarterback, a really bruising running back and a smart play caller, and a few weapons at receiver who emerged against Washington's shaky at best secondary. Um, And, yeah, you know, all of a sudden you're down three, almost four scores at, you know, early in the second half, and even though I think Washington scored on every drive they had in the second half, it was too little, too late.
0: It's funny how... Quickly, Washington has completely done a 180 um, and pivoted from their strengths under Jimmy Lake. Like they, their secondary used to be their really, really great asset last season, and now we're talking yeah. about like their high flying offense just couldn't get the wheels turning and everything. Like especially on the ground, which was like their, you know, that's what they at least tried to do under Lake last season with John Donovan. I can't say they were successful at it, but. Anyways, U-Dub's uh, got a real interesting game. I, I don't know if you noticed this in the schedule, but um, all four Pacific Northwest teams are traveling uh, south for away games this week. Um, wow. And the only other game is Utah-UCLA. Yeah. So Washington at Arizona State, and obviously we'll, we'll cover these actually in depth um, in the midweek show, but Washington is at Arizona State. That'll be their toughest road environment yet. We'll see if their road woes, like – travel with them. Other than that, I mean, I'm looking at UW's schedule. We're talking about road games at ASU, Cal, or and Oregon before the Apple Cup. Like, ASU, I'm not sure how that environment, will, what that environment will look like. I wasn't really, you know, they're one and four. I can't imagine the students will be like super hyped up to play against an unranked Washington team, uh, or barely ranked Washington team. Uh, And then they play, you know, at Cal is never a tough environment at all. So, I mean, there's a very high chance that by the time they roll into Autzen, they won't have experienced an actual, like, dangerous road environment in terms of fan engagement and noise and, you know, all the things that typically come with with a tough road environment.
1: Yeah, Um, Arizona State, interestingly, is, I will say about that USC game, they didn't look like they had fully hit quit watch yet. Which is surprising for a team that I think, you know, their bull hopes are pretty much dead at this point. Um, but they fought in that USC game, and I expect them to at least, you know, fight for a while against Washington. Whether Washington's able to kind of slam the door and put that game away early or not, I think that Arizona State will, has the potential to score some points and hang around.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for the entire slate this week. Um, the game you mentioned—I mean, the <laughs> even Oregon State Stanford—like that's one I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Um, it's the 8 p.m. kick this week, just to see like how much Oregon State's problems really travel with them. Because there's no reason that you should be intimidated by going to Stanford um at this point in the season so if they can't like shut the door on that matchup i'm really skeptical they're only six and a half point favorites in that game right now which is kind of crazy um and then obviously utah ucla is the big one that's that's going to be a great game um all right man uh we both went three and two on our picks this week so you're up to a pretty steady you're at 20 and 12 overall this season on your picks I'm stuck at five hundred sixteen and sixteen, I heard um, but you I'm not won. complaining. I heard <laughs> you
1: won the uh, no truck no truck stop betting bonanza this week, though.
0: Oh really? I didn't yeah. even know that myself. Dude, um, <laughs> to, to be honest, with those like these picks, I'll actually think about beforehand and like maybe pull up some stats and do a little bit of research. When I'm doing the no truck stops, like Google form, I literally just guess. Like I'm just I'm just throwing stuff. You're um,
1: you're six and zero. Oh on the week oh sweet (laughs) dude i
0: needed i needed it too because you know what i had the worst record of anyone who filled out the thing throughout like the first four weeks oh my Um, god yeah so i needed to bounce back but um that's good to know i guess i guess i'll get that shout out uh all right man any loose ends you want to tie up any national games you want to touch on before we head out
1: yeah let's just do a quick one over of this national slate um what stands out to you? Should we start with the Georgia game?
0: Yeah, let's start with the Georgia game. Um, this game was winding down, and it was the type of game that as soon as the game was over, like as soon as they got like the last first down before they started taking knees, I was turning that shit off. I did not want to see any more of that game than I had to. Um, really, really like ugly but still entertaining game. The teams were kind of moving the ball, actually. Um, but Georgia kicked, like, four field goals or something. Maybe it was even five. And Mizzou had to settle for a bunch of their own. Shout-out to my man Kyle Pinnell, uh, fellow Timbers writer. He goes to school at Mizzou, and he covers the team for their student paper. Actually, I think he might be the editor at their student paper, which is really well-known. So um, he was there. We were texting about the game. It seemed like a pretty great atmosphere. Um, Georgia, man, I don't – I honestly don't see, like – This is two weeks in a row now that they've given up 22 points, I think. Um, And they're just playing way below expectations for the last two weeks. I think they got knocked off their number one ranking, which I understand. Overall, what i gathered from this game is that Ohio State deserves to be ranked number one. Um, I I learned that by (laughs) seeing what Ohio State can do week in and week out, and the fact that Alabama struggled in a game they really shouldn't have, even without Bryce Young. And that Georgia, obviously, I mean, they just couldn't get it going against Missouri until the fourth quarter uh, when they finally exploded for 14 points. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, I'm not sure why Alabama is taking the number one ranking over Ohio State, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't, didn't they, it, we're just ignoring the fact that three weeks ago they did the same thing against a pretty mediocre Texas team.
0: I guess so. Yeah, I mean...
1: Maybe a worse example. I I don't know. I mean, honestly, I was was watching this Georgia game in the background a bit, but I wasn't, like, absolutely glued to every snap of it. Uh, And it was a little unfortunate that I felt like I had to pull for Georgia when I usually (laughs) would enjoy rooting for, you know, the 500 SEC team. Um, But... Yeah, I don't I don't know. It doesn't worry me that much long term, but it's a little weird when we thought Georgia's identity through, you know, 3 weeks and even after the Kent State game honestly was that they could still just roll through any team that wasn't like borderline elite.
0: It looks like Georgia actually only dropped to 2 as well. I right. mean, that's kind of disrespectful to Ohio State. I guess the only argument against it is that they haven't played anybody but i mean they notre dame was top five at the time obviously they're not anymore don't deserve to be uh the wisconsin loss looks worse okay i can kind of see that argument but even so i mean they're averaging like i don't have the exact points per game they're averaging 49 points per game this season uh including that that includes that 21 point result against notre dame I guess they've also played five home games, so there's that too. But um, they'll roll over Michigan State this week on the road. I really don't see them running into much trouble at all until Michigan, um, maybe at Penn State in what's probably going to be a whiteout game. But, I mean, how many times have we said that and then Ohio State just goes in and, like, rolls over them? So we'll see. But True. I still think Ohio so should be number one. You know,
1: every fourth time or something, Penn State pulls off the upset. It feels like, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> the other three, Ohio State rolls by like twenty. So we'll see how, we'll see how it works out. Yeah, um, man, I'm still going to stump
0: that. Like A and M and Arkansas should have never been ranked at any point this season. Yeah,
1: period. just just ridiculous. Um, UCLA got into the uh, top twenty-five after their win mm-hmm. um, yeah that makes
0: five pack 12 teams
1: a lot of teams a big storyline of the weekend and i don't care about many of these games specifically but i think between four between 15 and 24 uh there were eight losses eight of the 10 teams yeah. there lost that was pretty crazy and wake and florida state were playing each other so one of them had to win but other than that byu was the only team that won um Yeah, those other games. I mean, we talked about that Baylor loss is not great for Oregon. We previewed that game slightly. Uh, Oklahoma State looks like the Big 12's only playoff hope at this point. Uh, Oklahoma State got absolutely blitzed. Um, I mean, BYU continuing to win will
0: still do more good than anything Baylor does.
1: That's true, but the committee kind of likes that common opponent. Uh, yeah. comparison and, and if Baylor had been floating there at fifteen it could have been a could have been helpful, but you know, who cares? Really? I
0: think Oklahoma State is like a legit <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. I'm gonna say this statement and then I'm gonna refine this statement, okay? Oklahoma yep. State looks like they should be a bona fide playoff contender. Uh what I didn't say is that they are a national title contender. I'm gonna pull old Josh Pate. That's what I <laughs> didn't say. I did say is that they're pretty good look for that fourth spot at this point between them, Clemson and USC, I mean I I'm kind of assuming Michigan will stumble at some point or that like I don't see both Michigan and Ohio State making it into the playoff, you know so then there's that yeah. next kind of tier of like teams who are probably the best in their conference uh being Clemson USC and Oklahoma State. Um, also isn't it funny how this week is like a very, very clear, like image of how the national media perceives each conference. I mean, it's two SEC teams at the top, two Big Ten teams next, and then the best ACC, the best Pac-12, and the best Big 12.
1: Yeah. Like, and the two best one-loss teams right now are Utah and Oregon. That, I mean, yeah. I was impressed that we both jumped Kentucky uh, and even NC State after their losses. Um, The only thing
0: is, I do not want to hear Oregon in the playoff mentioned in the same sentence. At all. I don't want it. I don't want to make the playoff, honestly. Even if our (laughs) team improves by leaps and bounds towards the end of the season, like we've seen what it takes to go up against a legit team. And I would rather win the Rose Bowl than get smothered by Georgia again. I really don't
1: The only caveat is if there's some way that Oregon could possibly play Oklahoma State.
0: Oh, I would love that. Yeah.
1: You know, I don't think there's probably or even Michigan maybe, but I mean, we're oh, way I feel too, good against that, Michigan. That's way too yeah. far ahead of us, I think. But if you're playing Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, it's hopeless.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um well, yeah, man, any other uh, shout outs you want to give? I got I got a shout out to Lane real quick. Big win over Houston. Uh, Big Historically win. dominant Big win. G5 Houston. Yeah, man. Roll wave, baby. Still receiving uh, and votes. That win against Kansas State, only looking better and better. Exactly. Uh, dude, like Oklahoma, man. Oh, my God. That is terrible. Just... It, it,
1: we also got a shout out Kansas, too. Yes. Up yes, to 19. Getting in that game the Bulls, day They finally. Finally, uh, are ranked like you said. Oh my God, they play TCU next week. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's going to be gonna game be day. day. That'll be a lot yeah. of fun. Is TCU? What's their record? Three and two, five and uh, four and one. They're four and zero. Oh. oh, what? Yeah, they're four and zero oh through five weeks. That was whatever.
1: Yeah, they they played Colorado, some FCS school, SMU. They beat by eight. And then I guess they had a buy and played Oklahoma. Huh.
0: These early yes. season buys are just really, really odd to me. Yeah. Um, like Northwestern had a buy in week one after playing in week zero. Like that's just, that's just so odd to me. Um, Anyways, uh, I can't really think of any other games off the top of my head. Mississippi State proved that A&M is fraudulent. That was nice um i don't like have anything against AM in general their fans are kind of annoying and they just seem very privileged and that's that kind of pisses me off um clemson nc state was a good game kind of i think honestly like i do think both those teams i can see a world in which both of those are top 10 teams you know i don't know how much yeah. of that you watch but nc state did look solid in that game Oldness um,
1: pulling off the win was was uh cool Oh, that was frustrating, man. Yeah, that was
0: real frustrating. Uh,
1: <laughs> Do you have money on Kentucky, huh? Did you have money on Kentucky?
0: No, no. I I just wanted them to win because, like, I hate Ole Miss. Yeah. Ole Miss is probably the e- like easiest team to root against in the country just because of their brand and their school and like everything it stands for is it's pretty abhorrent. But um, yeah, man, we got Florida playing on a Sunday, <laughs> stuff like that uh Texas big win over West Virginia whatever um i also i didn't realize this until i looked at the spreadsheet a couple minutes ago but i picked texas to go to the playoff man that's brutal that's, i that's have i good.
1: have uh the top 4 right now which i think were the preseason top 4 but...
0: <laughs> yeah uncreative we'll see, if if that... <laughs> 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 we'll see how that um. shakes out So yeah, we'll see how all that shakes out. Uh, Anything else, man, from a great weekend in college football? Or maybe not even a great weekend, but just another weekend?
1: No, uh, Ducks keep rolling. I think this is another big spot here, going to the desert. Obviously, Oregon has his demons there. I think there's also a nice parallel to, or an unfortunate parallel, I guess, to last year and that final game before the bye against Stanford. Um, I have a similar feeling here of, I uh, you know, coming out of the Georgia game, I thought four and two getting to the buy, I would absolutely take it. Like, let's just mm-hmm. make it and try to transform ourselves and get ready for the home stretch of the schedule. And Oregon has had a convincing win against BYU, had a late second win against Washington State, took care of business this week. And now... This is kind of the final demon to exercise here and, and try to get out of it alive and uh, get to this bye week in, in a really good spot. So we'll see how it goes, and we'll we'll obviously have the full preview of that uh, on the midweek show.
0: Yes, sir, we will. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please rate us five stars and uh, check us out on Twitter at DucksPod. That's where we post our releases. Um, we're also, all, both our handles are on there too, so you can check that out. Other than that, enjoy the win, enjoy your week, and go Ducks! Go Ducks!